Good morning once again. No gamchai mai, kubonai matinda. No gamchai. We welcome you. Um, if you got your Bibles with you, please turn with me to Ephesians. Uh, Ephesians chapter chapter six. We are nearing an end to this glorious letter that the Apostle Paul penned down whilst in chains, a prisoner of the gospel. Ephesians chapter 6, and I'll read from verse 10, and today we'll spend our time in verse 19 and 20. Verse 19 and 20. Let us read from verse 10, Ephesians chapter 6, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Finally, <clears throat> be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the, the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, Stand therefore having fasted on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am, in, I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I just pray for power from on high. I pray that your spirit may convict my hearers as he has convicted me in my study. I pray, O Heavenly Father, that we may be convicted to the core and that that will enable us to move in accordance with what your word says, with fear and trembling, and doing what you have commanded us, or what you call us to do in the scripture. Pray that it may be clear, keep me from error and heresy, and pray for my hearers. Lord God, may you be glorified this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, if I were to ask you a question this morning, 
as to which facet of prayer is mostly neglected, what would you say? Maybe to make my question easier to understand is, what is usually omitted in our prayer lives? We are, we're happy to pray for our sick relatives. We're happy to pray to find a job. You know, pastor, I need prayer, I need to find a job. We're happy to pray to have children, to, 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 have, to have a stable marriage. Some of us may even be good at confession and asking for forgiveness from a holy God. Some of us may even be good at exalting God's name in prayer and expressing real gratitude. But friends, even as I thought through this passage and I saw the details, I was convinced that there's a certain aspect of prayer or a certain aspect of offensive spiritual warfare which we neglect or are often guilty of forgetting. And it is in the prayer for gospel advancement. Gospel advancement. Well, even before we get in there, I just want to bring us to speed. That we are in the last portion of Paul's great letter to the Ephesians. Where Paul in prison, as we will see in the text of scripture, labors to present a case for the gospel. Paul presents it from God's perspective in the very first chapter of Ephesians. That salvation is, is founded or grounded upon God. The triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. He then anticipates a question. What is salvation? And answers that in chapter 2. In chapter 2, he shows the horror of mankind. That mankind is sinful and dead in his trespasses and sins. Following the course of this world. Following the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. He, 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 he exposes that mankind is in fact guilty and sinful and needs to be saved. And in chapters 3 to 4, he unveils the way this sort of mystery of salvation uh, takes place through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. How Christ comes into a sin-sick world, a sinful world, and saves people from sin. And how Christ comes and, and, and tears down the walls of hostility that Jew and Greek alike can now come together and are one in Christ. There is no longer need for segregation. Because Christ has come and, and, and broken down those walls. Chapters 4 and 5 and 6 now show us how to live in light of the gospel. Paul has said this is what Christ has done. And if you are really a Christian, this is how you should live. Oh, Christ has done this. God has done this. This is how you ought to respond. Mankind needs the gospel. All of us need the gospel, friends. And we see that 
this redemption that Paul is talking about in the whole of Ephesians is full and complete. But it will not only it will it will not be fully realized until the day of Christ's return. We still have enemies which Paul now exposes, and these enemies are the devil and his charges and his agents. And this is where we are, where Paul says, finally be strong in the Lord, put on the full armor of God. We have enemies, hordes and hordes of enemies as Christians, which seek to devour, to destroy us. In verse 16, where where really Paul is talking about, you know, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith in with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray at all times, verse 18, in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. It's still talking about prayer. Verse 19, and also for me. That words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly. Now, friends, Paul has a specific message for his hearers in terms of praying for gospel advancement. And I've got three points that I want us to focus on this morning from this small text. The first point is that for, for gospel advancement, pray for people. Verse 19a. Point two, pray for prosperity in the gospel. Verse 19b. Point three, pray for perseverance. Verse 20. Let us look together, friends, even as we open up the text. From verse 19a, Paul says, and also for me. Paul's request to the Ephesians was not an ambiguous, but truly and definitely pointed to the people that they should and also be in prayer for him. This is crucial for Christians because, friends, we have someone who we know, whether in this church or elsewhere, who are either a missionary or what I would term a gospel worker, who needs your prayers, whether they tell you about it or not. Thus, it will then follow or make sense that praying for people is necessary for gospel advancement. Now, of course, friends, this does not mean that if you do not pray, the gospel won't advance. No. This is because Christ said he will build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail. But friends, if you are not actively and regularly praying for particular people, whether for their salvation, growth, or sharing of the gospel, then my friend, you are living in sin. You are in disobedience against the Holy God. You need to repent. Paul says, after all you have prayed for all these things, 
He's been mentioning all supplications, pray for people all everywhere. Pray also for me. Remember me in prayer. And of course, friends, the Apostle Paul was not a stranger for praying for, to pray for people in the work of the gospel. For he writes the following to the Philippians. Philippians 1, 3 to 6, I thank God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will see it unto completion at the day of Christ Jesus. He later on says in verse 12 in the same chapter of Philippians, I want you to know, brothers, he's addressing the whole church, that what has happened to me, which was imprisonment, has really served to advance the gospel. That's what he says. So keep me in your prayers. Pray for me diligently. And clearly, the scriptural imperative, friends, is for us to actually pray for actual people. The problem is that many a time we are too selfish in our prayers. Maribaba, I think of myself all the time. I want to be blessed. I want a car. I want a Lamborghini. And even when we try to pray for the gospel advancement, we don't actually pray for actual people who we know are laboring. We just pray ambiguous prayers. Pray regularly, friends. For local missions. That's the first application when we talk about praying for people. Pray for local missions. Do you know a missionary who you should be praying for regularly? Remember how the Lord Jesus Christ taught his disciples how to pray. He said, This is then how you pray. Our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. The kingdom coming is the gospel. Thy kingdom come. It's interesting that Jesus taught his disciples to pray for the gospel even before they should pray for bread. If you read the Lord's Prayer, give us today our daily bread is down there. Up there is your kingdom come. And the kingdom is the gospel. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Pray regularly for local missions. Pray for your unbelieving friends and family. By name. Specifically. And say, Lord, would you save my mom? Who is in sin? Who doesn't know the gospel? Who is in a cult following the course of this world? 
following these rubbish prophets who call themselves prophets. These charlatans. Would you, oh God, won't you turn their hearts just like you did mine? Pray. Paul is saying to the Ephesians, pray also for me. A particular person. The, the last thing, application wise, pray for world missions. You know, I, I, I saw an article recently about persecution in South Korea. And I saw that Christians were going to be burnt and done all sorts of things. And it broke my heart. Because I thought to myself, Lord, it could be me, but I'm here, I'm free. There's no persecution. But these are my brothers and sisters. I have never met them. But they're my brothers and sisters in the Lord. We will be in heaven together singing holy, holy, holy. And if they die in the mission field, May your name be glorified. But pray. Pray. What does you see, friends, the second thing that Paul addresses in the, the uh, praying for gospel advancement, he prays for prosperity. He prays for prosperity. Look at how he puts it in verse 19b. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Friends, what Paul is simply saying to the Ephesians and saying to us this morning is that we must pray for the gospel message to prosper as those who are regularly proclaiming it and carrying it to the ends of the earth. And it was quite clear that in this context that Paul was either facing a trial, just as, as it is written uh, in Acts chapter 9 verse 15, or he was going to stand before governors, or he was yearning for power from on high to be able to proclaim the gospel in weakness. Acts chapter 19 Sorry, Acts chapter 9, verse 15, when Paul, uh, you know, met Jesus on the road to Damascus. It says the following about his mission. It says, but the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Paul stood before Felix. Not this one. He stood before governors. And so here he's asking, even as I stand before these governors, even as I stand before these presidents, give me strength, oh God. I pray that the people are praying for me for the message to prosper. 
This is what we're meant to be praying for, friends. That even as the gospel is being preached today, this morning, that the message of the gospel is prospering. It's reaching the ends of the earth. And you, you, you would do well to observe that the gospel message comes not by our own might. And Paul understood this very, very well. He even wrote to the Ephesians, sorry, to the Thessalonians. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 4 to 6, he says, Brothers who are beloved by God, we know that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but in power, in the Holy Spirit, and with great conviction. Just as you know, we lived among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord when you welcomed the message with the joy of the Holy Spirit, in spite of your great suffering. This was Paul. Paul in prison, in chains, suffering. And what is he praying for? For the gospel to prosper. Friends, I, I want to challenge you this morning. Is that you? In your tribulation, in your trial, whatever trial you're going through right now, are some of your prayers saturated with praying for gospel advancement? Or it's, well, I'm just saved and I'm all right. Me and my household, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord, we are fine. Put a hedge around myself. Now we're fine, we're fine. There's no need for that person next door to hear the gospel. There's no need for the gardener to hear the gospel. Ah, no, you know. I want you also, friends, to think about this. That the gospel will, in fact, prosper because it is God's plan, as we we're talking earlier on, to redeem mankind from sin. He has promised to do it, and we are privileged to be partakers of this promise. Through prayer, we must pray and wait upon the Lord. We must go on our knees and say, Lord God of heaven, you in your word have promised that you save people from sin, you will grow your church, may you do this for us. This should be a regular Christian prayer, not just once a month or once a year, or Christmas, or Easter. No, this is a regular, if daily, prayer to say, Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. We need people to hear this message. We must not be content with the message staying in our little corner <laughs> whereby we're just discussing our corner well we just want to uh, fraternize and discuss the gospel doctrines of grace what 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 and then you go home have coffee but strangers to the promises 
must hear the gospel message. And Paul is basically saying that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So pray to the Lord of the harvest to raise up laborers. What a privilege. What a calling. You want people, to, you want God to save people? Pray. And go and preach the word. Paul asks for boldness. I want you to note that. He says, also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth to boldly proclaim. In some versions it says, to fearlessly proclaim the mystery of the gospel. So, you know, it's, it's, it's quite interesting because people will say, this is the great apostle Paul. He has just, you know, been writing epistles. He was shipwrecked. All these things happened to him. But this is Paul in weakness asking the Almighty God for boldness to proclaim the gospel. And dear friends, this morning, I would say this should be our prayer, each and every one of us, because we are all weak in one way or the other. In one way or the other, we are all cowards when it comes to sharing the gospel. We would rather avoid being unashamed we would rather avoid being embarrassed, being the laughing stock of the earth. Where people look down upon you and say, what is this guy saying? What is this message you're preaching? Ah, Jesus. And laugh at you. Jesus is, is, is subject to mockery, friends. Don't think the world loves Jesus. Don't ever fooled to don't ever be fooled to think that people love to be associated with Jesus. Paul was asking for boldness to proclaim the gospel for prosperity. He needed strength. I mean, this was a person who narrates his life story to the Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24 to 26, he says, Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I, I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in open sea. In my frequent journeys, I have been in danger from rivers and from bandits, in dangers from my countrymen and from the Gentiles, in danger in the city and in the country, in danger on the sea and amongst false brothers. This is a dangerous message. This is a dangerous message. I remember when I was ordained as, as, as a missionary pastor, I will never forget uh, Pastor Conrad Mbewe's uh, 
statement. Uh, when he said, you don't know what you've signed up for. And say, ah, even if you, when you get married to your, to your wife, make sure she tells her father that one dad, this may be the last time you will ever see me. Because the gospel is dangerous. You don't know what you meet as you preach. And it seemed as if God himself would intentionally put obstacles in your way as you preach the gospel. God himself, not Satan. I'm talking about the very God of it. God Almighty, ancient of days. It's a dangerous calling. You must be in prayer. When you try to lift up your voice as you are preaching there's, there's always something that is in something may be amiss i don't know if you've ever noticed that when it's time for gospel work there's always obstacles there are always hindrances in our lives huh? should i go deeper <laughs> uh, you think i'm passing a target no let it go The third thing that I want us to see, friends, from that text is praying for perseverance. Pray for people, pray for prosperity in the gospel, and pray for perseverance. Look how Paul puts it in verse 20. For which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as, as I ought to speak. Friends, it's interesting that Paul says he's an ambassador. What a paradoxical statement. Think of an ambassador. Flashy car, flashy suit, expensive living, surrounded by bodyguards. Uh, so, you know, so, so much so that the diseased populace do not come close to me. I'm an ambassador. I don't want to be hanging out with you. But this was not Paul. He was an ambassador of Christ, the King of Kings, the creator of the universe, who spoke the world and it came to be. But he was under house arrest. He was suffering for the gospel. And friends, next to Jesus, Jesus was the one who suffered the most. Paul was one who could say, I'm an ambassador in chains. And if you don't know the situation of how Paul was imprisoned, I think in his first imprisonment, he was chained to a prison guard. In his second imprisonment, he was under house arrest. But this is a man who was chained for preaching the gospel. And he's saying, pray. Pray for me. Remember me in this predicament. I mean, if 
Friends, we must pray for perseverance till death in gospel advance. Remember the words of Jesus Christ. He's actually talking about gospel advance when he's talking to Simon. Luke chapter 21 verse 31 to 32. Simon, Simon. Satan has asked you to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you. The creator of the universe has prayed for poor Peter. Simon, that your faith will not fail. And when you turn back, when you come back, strengthen the brothers. The gospel is advancing. If you've ever read missionary biographies, William Carey, Baptist missionary to India, contracted malaria in India. His five-year-old son died of dysentery. It became too much for his wife. Missions became too much for his wife. His wife became his wife became mad. She had mental health issues, real mental health issues, not what we see these days. Yeah, my mental health, my bipolar. No, no, no. She was mad. She suffered delusions, accusing Carrie of adultery and threatening him with a knife. The mission field. <laughs> you can go mad. See, you want to go the well, you want to go to the ends of the earth. Go. And she eventually had to be confined. To a room and physically restrained. Mkazi wa William K. Aka penga. Nichiko nzuroche kuti. Situation yao. Yanga isinga yiti. Vaita remission. She went mad. I'm thinking. I, I, I'm thinking about it friends. These days you know. If our wives would be able to go to the Sentinelese people who shoot with arrows and kill the people who visit the island. I'm wondering if, if the caliber of Christians that we have today are willing to suffer for the gospel. Not just suffering, I'm suffering uh, political in economic situation. No, no. <laughs> not suffering. Zimbabwe. <laughs> that is not suffering. I am talking about suffering, laboring in the trenches for the gospel. You don't, maybe you might know another guy called Adoniram Jackson, American missionary to Burma. To the Burmese people, Asia. 
he had, I think, two. His wife had two miscarriages. They had a stillborn. And he was in prison. He spent eight years on the mission field, no conversions. And there was one person who, I don't know, I think it was a deacon. I got it from Manai. Whereby Adoram Jason dug a, a hole in the jungle, in the jungle infested by tigers, and said, I want to die. The deacon built like a small hut or something on top of a tree, or sat on top of a tree to watch him secretly so that he would not die. Friends, you tell me about the prosperity gospel. You tell me that Jesus died for you to be rich. When Jesus himself suffered, when Paul himself suffered, when all these missionaries all across history have suffered for the cause of the gospel. Hence, listen to William Carey. He says, this indeed is the valley of the shadow of death to me. But I rejoice that I am here, notwithstanding, and God is here. Pray for gospel advancement. Pray for perseverance. No matter what comes, friends, this gospel must be preached. If Cyclone Idai came all the way to Harare, and wiped out people, and you remained. Your job is to preach the gospel. Let me quickly add an application. Application and their clothes. Application number one pray for afflicted Christians all over the world. Don't be selfish in your prayers. Pray, and if you can, give. I'm talking about people who are afflicted. People who are under persecution, people who are running day and night. Soldiers are hunting them down. Me and Ma, you guys were in China. You saw some of the things that were happening. Pray for your friends that remain behind. Who have no church to go to. Number two, this is a good one. Pray for your pastor. Pray for your pastor because if you haven't prayed for perseverance in the gospel and ministry, you're still joking. You're still joking. You, you, your eyes have not been opened to the fact that we are in a war. That I, I need to pray for my pastor. I need to pray for my brothers and sisters in the Lord. I need to pray for Brota Piwa. I need to pray for Sister Samantha. I, I may not know exactly what things they're going through, but I need to pray so that they may be able to preach the gospel or to share the gospel. Pray for this church. That we may be ambassadors in chains. 
pro proclaiming the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ till he returns. It's a hard work, friends, that is before us. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. The ground is hard. Last time when we were preaching the gospel with Brother Felix, we met an agnostic man who denied Christ's existence. And it was so harrowing to the heart to hear someone speak of God that way. To hear someone say, no, I want to go to hell. That's what he was saying. Sometimes people don't show up for Bible studies. That's missions. <laughs> Sometimes we say, time, time, people, observe time, and people do it's missions. Sometimes your own congregation can turn against you and plot for you, for you being fired. That's missions. There are times when people won't be able to pay their pastors and the pastor cannot do anything. That's mission. Sometimes you pray for someone who you know is not a Christian. You labor to show them that this is what the Bible says. You must repent and believe in the gospel and they still Go forth in sin. In fact, they go deeper into sin. That's missions. That's missions. Sometimes you labor until you are so tired you cannot put your finger up and you lie on your bed. It is almost like you can die. That's missions. Sometimes your, 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 your family will get sick and there's no one to help. That's mission. Paul says, I am a prisoner in chains. We await the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. But till then we must work. Acts chapter 1 verse 11. They were looking intently into the sky as he was going. When suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, Why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go we pray maranatha 